Proverbs chapter 26, let's begin in verse 1. As snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be wise, he be wise in his own eyes. He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. Verse 11, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The lazy man says, there is a lion in the road. A fierce lion is in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. He wearies, it wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no tailbearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tailbearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this chapter. We're grateful, Lord, that you have preserved it, and it's alive and meant for us in making us more Christ-like. I pray, Father, that you would help us to learn these things and these, this wisdom, but not just for the sake of knowing it, Father, but help us to be active in applying it and obeying what your word says, Lord. We're so grateful your Holy Spirit is so faithful to teach us so many things apart from what any human teacher has in mind. He's so great at showing us what we uniquely need to change by your grace and by your power. So we yield our hearts to you, Lord. We want to be more Christ-like uh, as a result of this passage this morning. And we commit it to you in faith, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we've been out of Proverbs for a few weeks and um, just thinking about how 
God's used it in my own life and just how he's um, shown us so many incredible things. And as you see truth repeat itself, when you see God repeating himself, we need to really take note of that. I mean, it's important when God says anything once. (laughs) But when he's repeating things over and over again, it really is supposed to and designed to get our attention. And one of the things that we've seen all through the book of Proverbs as we've studied it verse by verse is the importance of valuing wisdom and recognizing that wisdom is from God and the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And and he has revealed these things as we've seen as we've gone through verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We've seen the, the, the importance or the premium put on valuing wisdom. And how if we don't honor the Lord in that way by heeding what he says, then we end up demonstrating that we're a fool. And that's another theme that we've seen all the way through Proverbs of how God has spoken against being foolish or being a fool or, or how we interact with fools and being careful to not allow them to influence us or properly engaging them in a biblical way. And he's been so faithful to show us that. And he's going to compare at least 13 verses of our chapter. Um, he's going to compare their comparative verses, and he's going to be comparing what we should do related to fools or being wise in our own eyes and all these things. But he talks so much, probably the most in any of the chapters in, the, uh, in Proverbs, about how to improperly engage foolish people. And remember, as we've seen, a fool is someone that doesn't do what they know is right to do. Also, another characteristic that we've seen in the book of Proverbs is that fools are lazy. A common characteristic of fools is that they're lazy. We're going to see a lot of that. So he's going to be comparing a lot of things in nature, in you know, things that we're familiar with already, and incongruent things, things that don't go together in nature, are just like you know, receiving wisdom from a fool or letting a parable be said from a fool and heeding what they have to say and all these things. And we don't normally think that we are engaging fools. Now, maybe you do. (laughs) You think, I deal with fools all day long. You should come to my work or, you know, whatever. Um, But we don't really think that we're dealing with fools as probably as often as we really are. And, And people that think that they're wise and think that they're so great in terms of their own estimation of how much they know and who they are and all of that in this world, um, you know, those people demonstrate that they're not so brilliant all the time and they don't even see it half the time. But we can be influenced as believers by fools or we can waste our time that should be spent on other things with fools way more than we may we may realize we might realize and so he speaks specifically um, to our proper engagement to foolish people so he wants us to know be able to recognize a fool and be able to properly engage them he's going to give us a lot of specific things a lot of practical things and so I'm excited about that and he deals with in verse one this kind of first comparison he's saying as snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. So when, you're, when it's summertime and it happens to have, you know, happens to snow. Remember, this is an agrarian 
culture. This is a farming culture. And if it has a, or we see it related to rain too, but th- there are times where there's these weird, abnormal things and weather systems that come through and all of that, and it's damaging to crops when the season is not, the, the weather is not commensurate with how the, season, how the weather should be in that particular season. There's damage that happen to crops. There's things that don't, just, it's not right. It's not appropriate. Does damage and all those things. And he says, as snow in summer and rain in harvest time, because harvest is when you want good weather. You want to be able to have no, no, nothing getting in the way of being able to harvest all of the crops and all of that. And rain can definitely get in the way of that. It can hurt the harvest, damage the fruit and the produce and all of that. So he says, just like those things are not desirable, they're not normal, they're, they do damage potentially, they're not appropriate, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Now there are all kinds of award shows on TV. <laughs> and this makes me, this reminds me of some of those. Um, where you have people that are blasphemous and they're saying things that they ought not to say they're saying things that are not true they don't know what they're talking about they're claiming to be so wise and all of that and they're getting receiving honor at these events and so forth but it you know that's just the initial thinking of where we might see this type of thing but when you're talking about a person that is not doing what they should be doing and they're not walking in integrity and they're not doing these things that are right and appropriate it's wrong for us as believers to, to bestow honor on them. We're not supposed to honor people that are not honorable. And people that are not lining up with scripture with their lives and all those things, we can't give them the honor that, that we would normally give somebody that has all those things in, in the right proportion or, or they're doing what's right with their lives and all of that. And he says it's not, it's not normal. It's not appropriate. Don't give honor to people. It's it's not fitting because they're foolish. And so he tells us that. It's bad to give honor to a fool. Verse 2. Like a a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. Now, flitting means to move lightly and swiftly. Like a bird just kind of dances around uh, on a branch or whatever. Um, He's saying that, you know, like a... A sparrow that does that, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. And alight means descend from the air and to settle. Your translation may use another word to describe that. Um, And so some people worry about this because they're worried about curses and all this. And you just need to read Ezekiel chapter 18 and you'll see what the truth is about curses and all those things. We don't have to worry about curses. There is a the curse talking about the fall of man and how that affected this world and still affects this world. Um, but this is talking about people that pronounce curses on people and all that. We don't have to worry about that as, as believers, but he's saying a bird's aimless motion without landing is compared to a fool who utters undeserved, an undeserved curse. It will not uh, land either. And, and so the, a fool that doesn't know what they're talking about, doesn't know what they're doing, their life doesn't represent truth or reality and all of that, they may utter some type of curse or whatever that's undeserved, but it's not going to come to fruition. It's, 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 it's worthless. It's not even, um, it's not something you should be concerned about, nor should it be something that you think is going to be actually effective, because it won't be. It won't be effective at all. Verse 3, a whip for the horse a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. 
Now, they had bridles for donkeys back then, or in some parts of the world they still do because they ride them. Uh, They don't just use them for hauling things. Um, So he's saying here that it's appropriate to whip a horse, it's appropriate to bridle a donkey, so also is it appropriate for a rod on a fool's back. And that's how, I mean, there's discipline and there's consequences in that culture that, you know, we're we're not beating People and you know we're not Singapore. Remember a few years ago there was some kids that were spray painting or something and they got beaten with canes or something. You know we don't do that here. Uh, maybe we should. I don't know. But um, uh, it that's definitely their context, their culture, and all of that. And and he's saying it's appropriate for fools to get what they have coming to them, the discipline that they have coming to them. And we can think that people that uh, you know are engaged in these same types of things like maybe it's not appropriate for them to receive this discipline or whatever and because we're we don't want to have people reap the repercussions of their actions but it's proper that's what God does that's how he works he uses the authority structure in our culture to bring discipline Romans talks about that he is a uh, the government the government authorities are an extension of God in the culture and he's saying that in the context of the Roman Empire. So he, he's saying they definitely will reap what they sow. Don't be like them. Don't be like a fool. Fools receive the consequences of their behavior. You're going to receive the consequences of your behavior if you do foolish things. Because God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And it's true. Verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Ha, we got you Christians. The Bible contradicts itself. We see it right here. Like the author couldn't see that he's saying something a little different in each verse. It's ridiculous how people come up with this stuff. But there is a place to not answer a fool. And there's a time to answer a fool. And there's all kinds of opinions about when that is or whatever, when you're supposed to do that, when you're not supposed to do it. But there's, there's fool, a fool will say certain things that are foolish, of course, that are not appropriate, that um, they're just stupid stuff that we shouldn't even acknowledge. You ever had that where, you know, you're with your sibling as a kid or whatever, and they want attention, and that's why they're saying the things that they're saying. And if you ignore them, it drives them crazy because hey, I'm, I'm doing this to get attention and you're not acknowledging me. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. Um, being the seventh kid, the youngest, uh, I was a pro at driving people crazy. Uh, but, you know, you, they want attention. And a lot of times people want attention. They're just saying ridiculous things. And, and for us as believers, we don't need to engage in every conversation that we can engage in. There's a lot of conversations that we have no business getting in. It's just a waste of our time. And, and we shouldn't even acknowledge what people are saying many times when they're just saying foolish stuff. But there's another time where there may be consequences to what someone says. There may be something serious that they're saying that needs to be rebuked or they need to be, quote unquote, put in their place appropriately, lovingly, biblically, all those things, but they still need to be put in their place. And, and he says there the reason at the end of verse 5, lest he be wise in his own eyes. 
that God may want to humble this person through us by us saying something to them that rebukes them and shows them they shouldn't be saying what they're saying because there's grave consequences or they can influence people in a very significant way that will do harm to people and they need to be put in their place. There's a time for all of that. So no contradiction in the Bible, just a different application. Verse 6. He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. So back then they had these messengers that would go off and send or deliver a message to a king or to someone important and your the uh, surety or the, real, the the reliability of that person that's important getting that message was directly related to the, de- uh, the uh, excuse me the dependability of the person that's going and so he's saying don't don't send a message by the hand of a fool because that's just like as if you cut off your own feet and, and, and you drank violence. You're, you're not going, it's not going to end up well. So who are we depending upon as believers to communicate a message or to, to do a job for us that we want, that needs to happen, that's important? We shouldn't entrust that to people that aren't ready for it or they're not that's not something that is appropriate for them at the time. We can't trust them. They haven't earned that place of trust yet. We can't dispatch them to go and deliver something or to do an important task for us if they're not, if they're not ready for it or they're not the right person. We need to be very, very careful of that. And he adds to it in verse 7, <coughs> excuse me, like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Now, in this culture, proverbs were very valuable, and they weren't just limited to the scriptures. There's all kinds of ancient proverbs and all of that. I don't, I'm not saying they're inspired by God at all, but they were very common in their culture and it's very valued. Today, we don't just go around talking about trying to find the best proverb for a situation, but in that culture, they did. And, and, and the last thing you would want is to have a proverb come from a fool. Because a, a fool doesn't have the capacity, if they're not obeying wisdom and they're not being wise with their own life, how reliable would, they, would, uh, reliable would they be to come up with wisdom for other people that anyone would want to listen to? And he's saying, the legs of the lame that hang limp, those are inoperable. They're not sufficient for walking or standing. They're not, um, they're not able to support themselves. And that's the same picture as having a fool try to communicate or dispense or promulgate a an important uh, teaching or a proverb that anyone should listen to so don't listen to fools I mean Psalm 1 talks about not walking in the counsel of the ungodly there's all kinds of believers though that listen to the ungodly as as if they the wisdom that they have is is valuable and and it's not because they're not coming from the standpoint of God's word and so we can't be careful about what books we're listening to, what shows we're watching, what just influences that we allow into our lives from people that are fools. And, and, and not like to be mean or, you know, like everybody's a fool type thing, but how God views people and how he assesses them. And if he assesses them as foolish because they're not someone that is trustworthy related to spiritual things, then we need to not heed them or not listen to them. Verse 8. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. So a sling, you know, they would put the rock in the sling and they would let go one of the ends 
and it would release the rock and all of that. And and if you bound a stone to the sling, then it's not operable. Again, the same as verse uh, 7. The legs are not operable, just like in verse 8. The sling is not operable, how it was intended. If you're binding the stone to the sling, it's not going to be operable. And that's the same thing as listening or giving honor to a fool. Someone that's foolish, that doesn't heed God's word, doesn't listen to the things of God. We can't give them honor and listen to what they say because it's inoperable. They can't give us the things that they are saying that they can deliver. And he he adds to it in verse 9. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. So if a drunkard gets a thorn in his hand, maybe he stumbled or whatever, that's going to be very painful. It's not going to be helpful. It's the same thing as having a proverb in the mouth of fools. So don't listen to wisdom, quote-unquote wisdom, from people that are not um, legitimate people or people that you should listen to or I should listen to. Verse 10. The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. So he's, now he's dealing with the fool. Now God is dealing with the fool and he's giving the fool his hire. He's the one that repays for the bad decisions that the, that the fool makes and he gives them, the transgressor, his wages. You know, we're told that the wages of sin is death. And, and so there's... there's a, a payment that is received by people that are walking in disobedience to the Lord. It's God who formed everything. He's the one that repays them for what the things that they should have. And, and so we don't do that. We can't do that. We have to trust that the Lord's going to take care of those things and trust it to him. Verse 11. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his Folly. So he's still talking about fools again, and it's talking about repeating bad behavior. And the lesson is fools don't learn from their mistakes. They keep making the same mistake over and over and over and over and over again. He doesn't want that for us as believers. He wants us to learn from our mistakes. He doesn't want to repeat our folly. And a lot of times it's when we make mistakes and we fail and all of that, and we all do at different times on some level, it's, it's redeemed in a sense if we learn from it, if we learn from our mistakes. But if we don't learn from our mistakes, then there's no redeeming part of that lesson because he wants to prevent us from making that same mistake again. What's interesting about this proverb here is that the Apostle Peter in his second epistle quotes it and adds to it and applies it in a way that um, when you first would read Proverbs, you may not expect that it could be applied this way, but I'm going to read it to you from 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. Peter, talking of false prophets, says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. So Peter calls our proverb that we're studying true. He says, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. So 
It's gross when dogs do this. I don't know if you've had a dog that's done this where they, oh, it's, I don't even want to talk about it. It's just like, how can you do that, you know? Uh, but they do. But that's the picture of going back and um, not being wise, repeating our own folly, um, and not learning from our mistakes. Verse 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So as bad as a fool is, that he's been describing, he's not done yet. He's going to keep going, giving a vivid description of how foolish fools are. As bad as a fool is, there's someone who is worse, in a worse position, as far as what God says. God's assessment of their life, it's a, you're in a worse position if you're someone who is wise in your own eyes. Paul the Apostle wrote to the church of Corinth in chapter 8, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians. He said, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. See, there's a danger in all of us, especially the more we learn God's word, (laughs) uh, that we get impressed with what we know. That's one of the things that we really watch out for related to areas of leadership or things where people come in and we don't know them and they're they're wanting to serve in certain areas and one of the things that we we watch for is are they a servant do they just care about meeting needs and they don't care who gets the credit they don't care what needs to happen they just want to help people and serve beyond that a red flag would be being impressed with what they know the more I learn about the Bible the more I learn the Bible the more I realize I don't know the Bible nearly as much as I thought I did and one of the dangers for us is it, it usually comes, I'm not even necessarily talking just about the scriptures, but just in life, the areas where I'm the most susceptible to pride are the areas that I have the most experience and are the most knowledge of. That's what I have to be very careful of. What are the areas that you know really well? For me, it's buffets. No, I'm just kidding. No, what areas are you, are you really comfortable with, you know a lot about, you have a lot of experience? Those are the areas that you and I need to watch out for the most. Because those are the areas that we can be puffed up in pride, think we know everything. And there's so many things that we can learn from people that we didn't even expect to learn that are less experienced and less knowledgeable in an area just because they have a different experience or background. So we have to be very teachable and humble and not be impressed with our own eyes. Because as bad as as it is to be a fool, he's saying you're in a worse position. (laughs) He says there is more hope for a fool than for the person that's wise in their own eyes. This is, we need to really heed this as believers. What are the areas that we really are comfortable with, we know a lot about, we have a working knowledge of? We need to be very careful about being prideful. And the practical way that it expresses itself is that we just cut people off when they're trying to share something in those areas and we don't really listen to what they have to say because we know everything. We know everything that there is to know about, you know, whatever the thing is. We have to be very careful about that. None of us know everything that there is to know about anything that we know a lot about. We have to be humble and teachable. And God, you know, I just love the fact that God's looking at our hearts with all of this. He says, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Do you see that? We can see it in other people. (coughs) We don't always see it in ourselves. That's why we need godly people around us that can tell us when we're getting off track with those things. Because a lot of times we don't see. As the famous saying says, the first thing that pride does is makes it impossible or hard for us to see the pride in ourselves. 
It's really hard for us. So we have to be very careful about that. Pride is a danger. And one of the ways we can fast track God putting us on the shelf related to him using us is to be lifted up in pride. The word pride means to see myself above. So anytime that you're seeing yourself above somebody else, you're in pride. And uh, hopefully you don't, you're not really good at that and you don't take pride in it. So that's, that was dumb, I know. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> Verse 13. <coughs> the lazy man says, there is a lion in the road. A fierce lion is in the streets. Okay. I mean, if there's really a lion in, in, in all of that, I think that he's not going to bring it up as a legitimate thing here as to, you know, he's lazy. He's using excuses here. He's saying, there's, I'm not going to go out and do that thing because there's a lion or, or uh, you know, something dangerous out there and all of that. And it's just it's seriously just another reason or excuse to be lazy. And, and so, of course, God calls each of us to do certain things. He doesn't want to, us to be lazy related to those things. And he doesn't want us to use excuses. I mean, I used to be the king of excuses. I think I've mentioned it here before, but... Um, when I was a senior in high school, <clears throat> my mom had passed away like a few months before that, and I, my dad had already passed away, and so I would lived with my friend's parents, uh, and they were my guardians my senior year in high school, and I was always given excuses for everything, and, and she's like, you, you, you give so many excuses, it's just driving me crazy, and I said, it's not excuses, Jeannie, they're reasons, Okay. And she didn't buy that, and uh, she shouldn't have bought it. Uh, but we can just give so many excuses. So the lazy man finds all these purposes to, and reasons to not do the things they're supposed to do because they're lazy. And uh, we'll even go to lengths, great lengths to say there's danger. You know, I can't do this because there's all these great things that I need to be careful of and all of that. And God just says, no, you're just lazy. <laughs> uh, verse 14. As a door turns on its hinges... So does the lazy man on his bed. So the whole point is the lazy man is in bed a lot. And he's always turning like hinges turn on a door. He's always turning over. Because when you're in bed a long time, you, you're, you're flipping around and you're moving around. And he's saying, so just as the door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. So the whole point of it is to not be lazy, to not spend all time, all the, your time in bed, to get out there and be productive and all of that. And, and um, someone that isn't, you know, concerned about sleeping all day is not going to be very profitable. Verse 15, he still talks about the lazy man. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. This is what I call lazy. You can't even feed yourself. You're putting your, I mean, I remember as a kid pretending like I was an animal and putting my face in the cereal and eating and all that till I got disciplined pretty heavily for that. Um, but, you know, you're so lazy that you're, you can't even bring your hand back to your, that's pretty lazy. I mean, I used to be pretty lazy before I came to know the Lord, but nothing like that. That's pretty unbelievable to be able to be sitting there and going, you know what, that spoon and those alphabets, it's not really worth bringing it out to my mouth right now. Not really worth the effort. I, I'm, I'm just going to bury my face in it. It's like crazy. So that's lazy. He continues with laziness in verse 16. If there's a lot of lazy people here, maybe that's why we're studying this. I don't know. But if you're lazy, hopefully you're getting the message here. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Have you ever noticed that lazy people are experts in a lot of things? They have a lot of opinions 
a lot of conspiracy theories I've seen, uh, but they're experts. They know everything. They just don't know how to implement it. And he says, the lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer seven, uh, sensibly. A seven in God's word is the number of perfection or completion. And he's saying if there were seven men here that would answer sensibly, the lazy man is wiser in his own mind than those people. And so um, it's just unbelievable. I have to stay away from those type of people. Verse 17, he who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. So if you've ever taken a large dog, let's say a Rottweiler or a Doberman Pinscher or something, and you just grab that dog by its ears, just see what happens. And he's saying that's the kind of danger you're in when you're just passing by. And notice the word meddles there. Meddles. It's, you're just putting your nose in where it doesn't belong. You're, you're not minding your own business and all of that. And some quarrel that's going on. And you're at danger. You're just like grabbing a dog by the ears. Now, there are times where God calls us to be peacemakers. Jesus talked about blessed are the peacemakers, right? There's a time for that. But there, there could be a situation where maybe we feel led by the Lord to get involved in a situation that's volatile you know, people are having problems, there's disputes or whatever, but maybe there's an appropriate time to do that. And right at that moment isn't the time because they're, they're at the heat of the, they're in the heat of the battle there and they're, they're you know, at each other's throats and, and you don't want to get involved in that. I mean, you don't want people hurting people or whatever, but um, it's not always the best time. So related to people's business, we have to be very careful to know what our boundaries are. And a lot of times in families, that's something that's hard because people, they're not used to having good boundaries, some families. And so people think that because they're related to them, that they can just say whatever they want whenever they want. How many of you have been involved in that where you've had family members say, because you're related to them, you're open game at any time for them to say anything that they want to you and it's not received well. And that's the whole point we have to think about is how is this going to be best received? Is this the moment in time where if I get involved in this, that there, it, my wisdom or whatever I have to say, my counsel, is going to be well received? You have to use wisdom related to that. And so right in the middle of a quarrel or a fight or whatever may not be the time that we should be getting involved in a situation, but there may be a time later with the same party, the same people, that God does want to use us in that and so, you know, he may want to use this as a peacemaker or whatever, but we have to use wisdom related to getting involved. You're walking down the street and you see something that's going on in a fight or whatever. I would be very careful about getting involved with that, especially these days. Verse 18. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man, verse 19, who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. They're trying to deceive you, but they get caught in the middle of whatever they're doing. And then they say, oh, no, I was just joking and all of that. He's saying that's like someone being violent with throwing firebrands, arrows, and death. Uh, That's not going to end up well. And and so obviously we shouldn't be that person that's deceiving people or whatever. Um, But it's good wisdom just to be careful about how we interact with our neighbors. And, And of course, if they're deceiving us and all those things, and we find that out, we need to forgive them it doesn't mean we have to trust them again but we need to forgive them and and walk have them walk in in truth and integrity with us 
Now he's going to talk about talebearers and gossipers, and he's going to warn us about them in these coming verses here. Look with me in verse 20. He says, where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no talebearer, strife ceases. So if you don't have wood, a fire goes out. It needs fuel. And he's saying in the same way, where there's no talebearer, so talebearer is, con- is compared to fuel, and, and uh, strife, you know, that's, that's like the fire. So if the, if the talebearer's gone, the strife goes away, just like the fuel goes away and the fire goes away. And, and it's true. I mean, a talebearer is a gossiper. We don't really use that word talebearer anymore very much, but if they're a gossiper. And when gossipers cause strife, they stir things up. They cause division. You know, Paul wrote to Titus and said, you know, warns a divisive person uh, two times, then reject him. So he's very serious about strife and gossiping and all of that. It's a good reminder for us to, if it doesn't concern us, we need to stay out of it. And if someone's telling us something that's none of our business and their business, we need to speak up and say, I don't think we should be talking about that. You don't have to condemn them or anything like that. Just recognize, hey, you know, that's not something that we should talk about. Let's pray for them right now. And if everybody did that, then that would stop all gossip. And it causes a lot of pain and suffering, especially in a church body or a work environment or a family. And so um, he's going to tell us more specifically about the temptation of gossip in a minute, but we should just say no to all gossip. Verse 21, as charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. So we've seen three or four different proverbs related to a contentious woman. Women, aren't you glad that we're finally dealing with contentious men? Amen? We can all be contentious. He doesn't want us to be contentious at all. I got some amens from that. Um, So he's saying a contentious man kindles strife. So the picture is a fire, again, burning coals and all of that. When you stoke the fire, when you kindle the fire, it gets bigger. And he's saying a contentious man will will you know it'll make strife worse in a situation just like charcoal makes the you know a fire burning coals and wood to a fire makes it more you know a stronger fire so we need to not be contentious and fighting and some people just live to to fight they always want to be in an argument they always want to you know argue all the time and we shouldn't we shouldn't be like that and he talks about the bear here in verse 22 the words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. I think C's Candy might have that. You might be able to go to, to, to C's Candy and get some tasty trifles. Yeah, I'd like some dark chocolate tasty trifles, um, you know, with almonds. Ooh, that would be good. Tasty trifles with almonds. Doesn't it sound like something so great to eat? You know, but that's what gossip is. It's, he, he's being honest with us. He's saying, you know, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable to hear. You know, I remember going to a workplace one time, and th- this one guy always talked about, whenever we got there, the first thing in the morning, so what's the juicy news? What's the, you know, he's like wanting the gossip right away. He's wanting tasty trifles for breakfast. That's not part of a balanced diet. We should know that. Um, but <clears throat> he's saying the truth. It's true. It's tasty. It goes down to the inmost body. And that's the danger. It does go down. And when you talk to people about things they shouldn't hear, now they're going to have to process that in a way that's biblical. And if they don't, 
Now they're gonna, it's going to affect them adversely. We think that gossip doesn't affect us negatively, and it does. It affects us negatively, and the enemy uses all that. We have to be very careful. And now, especially with social media, it's so easy. to. Somehow we think if it's online, it's not gossip. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it is. It's just in printed form online. We have to be very careful about that. Even sharing things on social media can be gossipy, even if we didn't write it. Okay, now we're getting close to meddling here. We have to be with the back up a little bit. I'm just kidding. Um, <coughs> verse 23. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. Now, in chapter 10, we saw that the tongue of the just, he compared that to choice silver. So the just that communicates things that are appropriate to God, that's a, that he thinks of like choice silver, how valuable that is. And how he's saying this is something different. Fervent lips, passionate lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware, just common clay things, you know, containers that are covered in, in, in uh, silver dross that appear to be more valuable than it really is. <clears throat> so we have to be careful of that. And he continues, he says, he who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, this is what he tells us to do, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. So he's doing deceitful things with his mouth, and he's saying don't believe that because his, his heart is wicked. Don't believe what he says. There's, there's, a bad, um, there's a bad motivation that's there. And he uses the word se- seven again. The seven is the number of completion or perfection. He's, he's saying there are a perfect amount or a complete amount of abominations in the person's heart. And his hatred is covered by deceit. But notice the end is revealed in ver- the end of verse 26. His wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. It's going to come to light at some point. And he's going to be judged as a, re- as a result of it. But we shouldn't believe what he says. Verse 27. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. And he who rolls a stone will have to roll it back, to, to roll back on him. So there are consequences for being someone who deceives with their mouth and causes harm, like he dealt with at the end of verse 26 here. And, um, you know, just like when, if you dig a pit, then now you're, it's possible for you to fall into it, or if you have a stone that you're rolling in front of a, a cave, you know, you're using that as a burial cave, or whatever, it's a possibility that you could have it roll back on you. Um, just like that, you're susceptible to consequences if you're one of those people that speak evil and deceives with their mouth, and you're deceiving yourself if you think you're not going to reap the, the results or the implications of all those things. It will, it, you will um, suffer the consequences of that. And then he gets to the last verse, verse 28. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it. And a flattening mouth works ruin. So he says, the lying tongue hates. That's the motivation. He tells us the motivation. The lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it. What is it? It is the lying tongue. The lying tongue crushes people. He deceives. She deceives and all of that. And the motivation is, is hatred. And also they flatter. You ever had someone flatter you? And, you know, my kids did this at some point at times. You know, just, hey, dad, you know, you're 
you're a pretty good dad, you know, and like, okay, what do you want? You know, that kind of thing. But people are really good with flatter, flatter and, and, and telling people what they want to hear, puffing them up and all that because they want something in return. There's an ulterior motive going on there. And so he's saying be careful of the lying tongue uh, because there's, they're gonna, there's definite consequences to that. You're going to get crushed by it. And, and again, we have to be careful, the people that we surround ourselves with, because we're going to reap the effects of those uh, types of people in our, in our lives, and we have to be really careful. So we'll stop there. Um, he deals with main, four main things in this chapter. Don't be influenced by fools and deal with them prudently. Number two, don't be wise in your own eyes. Three, beware of gossip. And four, gossipers have evil hearts and won't go unpunished. So there's a lot there. Again, he talks so much about fools. We just be really careful about engaging fools and how much time we waste or spend dealing with them. And we need to deal with them appropriately. And then again, the importance of not being wise in our own eyes, especially in the areas of our experience and, and you know, specialty, to be very careful related to those things and remain teachable. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for so much that's in this chapter. Lord, we don't want to be fools. We don't want to be foolish. We want to be obedient to you and your word. We want to be honoring to you in everything that we do and say. We pray, Lord, that you would use this chapter in our lives as we meditate on on these truths, Lord. And we just thank you that you revealed these things in your word for us, that we could be made more um, like you, Jesus. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.